we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time to say. All right, let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Derek Johnson along with Adam Drovetta. One last time, one last ride. Final day, final show for Adam Drovetta here on RCST. This is my 24th job I've had in my life. Is that true? Yeah. You had 24? Yeah, but That's 24, a lot. I've had 24 jobs in my life. And the, the Do you last- Do rank them? Rank them all? <laughs> this is no. tops. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is definitely tops. Um, but uh, yeah, I the, the last day is always a weird one. I mean, in, in a, not in, you know. Well, that's exciting because your next job, you can have a legit top 25. Yeah, I you could. You can have like a weekly, yeah. you know, Adam poll. Yep. Top 25 Your own jobs. AP poll. The yeah. Adam poll. The AD poll. Um, I, how cool is it that you got to come here and, you know, you work here for, what is this, seven, eight months, something like that? Yeah. And as part of that, you got to see, you know, cover along and, and talk about this along the way of KU winning a, a national title. And I know KU's a blue blood. They're always good at basketball and those things, but titles are hard it's to come been, by. Well, and, and look, it it crossed my mind um, that, uh, you know, I'd been thinking about this really since probably about 18 or 19, and that Bill Self, if had he won a second title, would have been the longest stretch for coaches with multiple titles in between one and two except for Patino, but that's because he went to the NBA. And so in terms of coaches who stayed, um, it was the, the, the max was 11 years, and that was Dean Smith um, with North Carolina, and he was uh, 82 and 93 were his, first, were his only two titles. Only two, like it's a small number, mm-hmm. but his two titles. So he waited 11 years between one and two. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it, KU's a great program, and, and Bill Self's a great coach, but you do, I think, um, when you break things down, like Mike Krzyzewski is probably the greatest ever. He got five in 40 years. And so, you know, it, and he had, the, you know, he got his first two back-to-back, but then he had to wait nine years for his next one, and then another nine years for his fourth one. And so, if you think of it in those terms, you realize how just damn hard it is to win a national championship and I always felt Self would get another one just because he's so good. And I kept and I said this to you um, after the Duke win in 18. I said, I just really feel like this is going to start a run where they're just going to peel off. Like, he'll win four of his next five trips to the Elite Eight. I just, because you can't just keep getting so close. I Because I couldn't come up with anything. It's like I couldn't think of what could he possibly be doing so well except for that one game. So which made me to, led me to think maybe it's just the coin flips the wrong way sometimes and, and eventually the universe balances back out, um, and I you know I I said in December uh, when you were I think it was when you were uh, out in the out at the the dentist or maybe when you'd gone on but anyway one of the solo shows I said I, I, this team is 
good enough to do it. I wouldn't say the words national championship, but I said, I think this team's good enough to do it. And I think all of you know the it that I'm talking about. Um, I waned a little bit away from that as time went on. I think um, a lot of us did. The Kentucky game, the, right? Well, the Kentucky game and then really only beating Iowa State by one. Um, which, again, that was a good Iowa State team, but there was just all these. There were, They weren't just like, like that 2016 team kind of had that feel where it was like, all right, we're up by 10 at half. Great. Let's try to win by 25. We're up by 15. Let's try to stretch it to 20. We're up by 30. Let's try to stretch it to 40. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And this team, I think partly because they didn't have as much talent as 2016, but also because I think the league was probably closer to them than it was in 2016. Um, but yeah, but what, you know, regardless, this is the one that did it. And that's crazy to me that I. Um, it happened to be here for I, I was one here basketball for it. season, and, and it's and it was title. and it was a title. How jealous crazy. will you be if KU makes a football or a bowl game this upcoming football season? Well, you and me are going if it, if it happens. Oh yeah, I, yeah. We, I don't care where it is. We're going. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, it, I will miss that for sure. I'll be in Kansas City, so hopefully the Chiefs will be doing well. Um, and we've talked plenty. We we talked plenty of Chiefs here on this show, so that. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely I'll be. Being in Kansas City, if KU gets good enough to make a bowl game, they'll definitely get talked about more in Kansas City than they are now. But the fact of the matter is, being where they are, they're not KU football is not the premier story in the Kansas City market. And I get that, and I get why. Um, which is why I think this show is so great, because there is a huge, no matter what people think, there is a big interest in KU football, and this show brings that. So, yes, I will be... Um, I'll be, yes, I'll be jealous and I'll, I'll be listening. Um, and that would be fantastic. I mean, look, I, I just, what if they're two and one, wouldn't that be like, just think about that. Like if they go and beat Tennessee tech and then, you know, struggle, like we think they probably will against Houston, who's a terrific program and then beat Duke and they're sitting at two and one and you're like, okay, this is fun. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, I will absolutely be jealous if, um, and I may even weasel my way into to trying to get credentials if they're sitting there at, <laughs> at you know, four and four with an outside shot of making a bowl. Yeah, so uh, we'll do it normal today, but uh, certainly this will, uh, I don't know, be a sentimental one, I guess, the final show of Adam's time here at RCST. Um, some news came down a few hours ago. Tyrese Hunter picked Texas. Kansas was on the final list of six. Seems like everyone we were talking to, it, it kind of was – was going that way which by the way we're doing our stock market report later today um stocks up on saying as expected i love this like a guy or (laughs) something will happen news related and like if if you were in the know or if like you thought that was going to be the case you have to on twitter uh, quote tweet it uh, the news and say as expected or like he's going to texas as expected just to like tell other people that like i knew and it's like does anybody actually care if you knew or not it just it happened anyway uh, I, As expected, Bill Self ate <laughs> dinner today. I, I digress. All right. Uh, nonetheless, um, so I guess this has obviously, you know, we're Rock Truck Sports Talk. I want to talk about the, the Kansas impact here because there is one, certainly. Uh, but I also think in terms of when you look at the Big 12 now, like Texas now returns Marcus Carr, Timmy Allen. Those are all Big 12 players. Christian Bishop, good little starter there who transferred in from Creighton. It'll be his second year. Um, you have a top five recruit. You have a top 20 recruit. And now you add in Tyrese Hunter. I I think I don't know if I'm quite there to say that I view them on the same 
tier as where Kansas and Baylor would be. I think like they would be tier one. I think they just jumped TCU. That's the thing. I, I think for sure it's it's whether you have Kansas, Baylor, and Texas all in the same tier, or Kansas and, and Baylor in their own tier, and then Texas in their own tier. I do think that there is separation though between Texas and then that next tier, which would probably be like TCU and Texas Tech. Yeah, I think T- and I think TCU. We we talked about the possibility when you look at what TCU did this year. Would you maybe think of them as like a team that could jump up and and uh, maybe finish third in the conference? I think Texas is now leapfrog them and maybe they never were behind them but I, I think they've if TCU and Texas were somewhat together I think Texas has clearly now separated themselves and I think and I can't remember you and I talk sports so much that I I get confused what's on the air and what's off the air um usually if it's me talking the the only difference is the language is harsher when it's <laughs> off the air but I I we were talking at one point um and and we talked about Roy Williams his first year at North Carolina, they were fine. I think they were like a six seed, and I think maybe they got bounced in the second round. And Bill Self's first year at Kansas, um, they were a four seed, and they went to over. You know, they pushed Georgia Tech to overtime and in, in the Elite Eight. And so by that standard, Kansas had a better season than um, the North Carolina in their first years. Now look. In the long run, I think both Kansas and North Carolina are extremely satisfied with how things worked out. Um, but I, I bring that up because I think maybe there may have been people going, well, man, Bill Self is, is you know, had a better first year at Kansas than Roy had at North Carolina. What does that mean? What does that mean? And, of course, Roy did just fine at North Carolina. And we were talking about that in the context of Mark Adams had a better first year at Texas Tech than Chris Beard had in his first year in Austin. But I would still think that – I can't speak for other people. I think you and I, though – are both in agreement that in the long term, I think the only way this I think doesn't work out if it's if it, if for Chris Beard is if they start getting really good and they're winning the conference and they're going to the Final Four, and he walks in and the the arena's still only seventy percent full and he's like, okay, I can't, I don't, you know, and and they're still not getting the attention of an eight and four football team. I could see him getting sick of that and going to the NBA. But aside from that possibility, I think in the long run, Chris Beard at Texas works out, and I think you could start seeing it as soon as year two. Yeah, so I I do kind of view them, uh, you know, to me those are the top three. I think TCU will be trendy, but they feel to me like a team who should be really good. I just, I trust that a little bit more. They're going to have to learn what to do with expectations. Yeah, for sure, that's always difficult. It's going to be like Iowa State in that next year with Matt Campbell. You know what I mean? When Mm -hmm. people were picking them to... To win the Big 12 or finish second in the Big 12. Yeah, it's a lot tougher when you have the target on your back, right? Um, Which makes what Kansas has done even more impressive under Bill Self. Now, as far as the KU uh, reaction to this, the the KU impact of this, obviously this means uh, what happens with Jalen Wilson is is still the be-all, end-all. And and whether Tyrese Hunter um, picked Kansas or not, or I guess, you know, above and beyond this decision, it doesn't really matter if Jalen Wilson decides to come back outside of the, the fun little hypothetical we talked about yesterday where it's like, what if you just brought a player on and, and used NIL money to pay his scholarship and he was a walk-on, but technically he's getting his school paid for? Outside of that fun little hypothetical, um, if Jalen Wilson comes back, this decision doesn't – like it, it does matter because you're playing Texas, their competition stuff. Yeah. But it doesn't matter in terms of KU's how- building of their own roster. Exactly. Because that was going to be the last scholarship anyway. That would tie things up. But now, if Jalen does stay in the draft, which we're still waiting on that decision, things become more interesting. 
And um, I know Bill Self talked about this at a Hawk Talk last night. Um, I think we have the audio. Yeah. Do you want me to open that now? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Keep talking. I, I didn't. Sorry. I didn't realize you wanted it this segment. Let me. Yeah. I'm going to get that open right now. So um, Jalen Wilson uh, is, I think it's Wednesday at midnight when he has to uh, announce by because it's June 1st and he's still visiting. He's he's by all accounts, it seems like he is going to be kind of going to the wire here as we've seen some guys in the past. Ochag Baji, Yudoka Azubuki. Um, have kind of gone to the wire before making their decision. We've mentioned this before with Doak. It was after the deadline that we kind of kind of uh, finally found out the decision there. But um, given what Bill Self said last night on Hawk Talk, it almost makes me think it it because again we were both operating yesterday under like sixty percent that Jalen's back. After hearing this, I feel more like it's it's fifty fifty now. Here's what Bill Self had to say at Hawk Talk yesterday. Real quick before we we fire this, it's going to sound odd because he was getting this information in at the end of the show. Yeah, this was at the end. So of, there, yeah. the the outro music is playing underneath him. So if mm-hmm. if it if if you notice that, that's what that is. But you you can still hear Self just fine. Then, of course, Jay Will is the one that's got to make a decision, and he has helped himself tremendously. He's played great. He's shot it great, and, and uh, we'll have an answer from him probably in the next five or six days on, on what he's going to do. But all of them are doing well, and we shouldn't wish them to come back. We should wish them to do what's best for their life, and, and uh, I think they'll all make good decisions. Okay, so he's shot it well. He's played well. Um, he mentioned those things. Uh Although you take that, I mean, it, it, overall he did shoot well. But we all we talked about how once he got to the to the NBA combine, that shooting kind of came back to the mean a little bit from mm-hmm. what he did in the G League combine. Yes, which is it's it's funny that he brought that up, and maybe it was just he was just you know you're, he's you're popping up, up his guy. Yeah, and he, um, yeah he can't expand on it. He's, they're coming to the end. Yeah, for sure. Now he said that um, I guess. Earlier on in the show, he said that Jalen has helped himself tremendously. Um, yeah, he said that in that clip, too. Oh, that clip? Okay. Yeah. So that makes me think that maybe it is more 50-50 than you'd expect. And I I don't know what that, what that means. But basically, you know, if that does end up being Jalen Wilson staying in the draft, and now that Tyrese Hunter's off the board, um, I guess you look at, you know, we go back to the Isaiah Mosley well. What's, yeah, what's the story with him? I know, and, and for those who don't remember, Mosley's the kid at, that had a, a really great, what, 20 or so points a game for Missouri State? Yes. Um, you know, and, and I'll go one you further, man. What if McCuller, what if Jalen and McCuller both, whether it be, you know, maybe not the NBA, but they both want to just pursue pro opportunities somewhere else. I, I mean, that we've, we've talked a lot about, and I – I think, well, I don't want to speak for you. I'm certainly guilty of just working under the assumption that one of those two players, at least, and and I've actually been working under the assumption that the more likely scenario is both of them return. Um, I haven't even entertained the possibility that neither of them do. And and that's a... yeah. I mean, and that's no. A, that's a good point because I mean, as much as this is going up against it for Jalen, it's going up against it for McCuller. So, um. If you're talking like from NBA perspectives, you know what can uh, what's the position that the teams like? Y- there's always like bargain hunting you can have at, at the center position out on the free agent market. There are so many like point guards. NBA teams love three and D wings, and McCuller d- 
didn't really show the ability to be the three part of that to the NBA level last year, but certainly shows the defensive side and the athletic acumen to be in the NBA, the defensive side um, to do that. And so would it be that surprising if some team told him, hey, we want to scoop you up with a two-way or with a late second-round pick? And, and if that's enough for him, then, I, again, like you don't really know uh, into the mindset of him. Again, I still kind of operate under the standpoint, why go through the trouble of committing to KU yeah, if you're I, not that I actually agree. go there? I agree with that. But you're right. The fact that this is the longer this goes, the more you start to question, is that the case? So so you are right. Like, What happens if now they do have two scholarships open? And, and I'm viewing this as, oh, they could have one more. Jalen goes. It could be one more if Kevin McCuller goes and Jalen comes back. Or yeah, it that's could be possible. two more. Yeah, right? I mean, um, I think that, that you know, I, I think if, if both of them, if, if neither of them come to Canada, and I do agree, particularly with the McCuller part, um, like, you know, he's already gone through the process of, of not just deciding Kansas, but announcing Kansas. Um, but I do wonder, uh, you know, what if, um, you know, What's you know? What if they do? What if neither of them come back? And I think the answer I have is, you're going to be looking at a team that, um, in like mid December, looks very different from from this year, and and, and it's going to be somewhat frustrating. But I do think it's going to have to be one of those. And and look, self has more than earned the benefit of the doubt. But I do think it's going to have. You're going to have one of those years where mid December, if the team's struggling because they're so young. You're going to have to be going, well, in self we trust. Let's see what decisions he makes. Yeah, so Isaiah Mosley, go back to that well. Courtney Ramey, if he decides to come back, that's a name we keep hearing pop up. Um, I, I think the Michael Swain brought this up the other day, the idea that you know there could be other guys who are in the NBA draft process right now who end up deciding to come back and, and trying to transfer. Now, I, I don't know how that would be impacted because they'd have to get a waiver at that point, but... The NCAA might just be handing that out that it might not really matter. So maybe there is a guy that we're not really expecting to be available that comes available. Uh, we'll kind of see what happens, but um, it's really all dependent on Jalen Wilson, Kevin McCuller, because if they decide to come back, then the offseason's done at that point. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Brian Haney will join the show in about 10 minutes. Did you know that on our website, klwn.com, as well as our sister stations, 1059kissfm.com, bull929.com, we have a program called Hometown Deals. So you click the tab, and it takes you to a magical place where gift cards are 50% off. We have handfuls of different restaurants and places that you can go to that you can get a 50% off gift card to. So just go to the website, click Hometown Deals, and you'll see some of those gift cards for 50% off. If you're a business and interested in being part of this as well and getting featured ads at no cash price and just gift card cost, shoot us an email, djohnson at gpmnow.com. Joined now on a Friday by Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Going to talk a little more about the Rock Chalk Roundball Classic, but I did want to bring up, obviously you guys just finished up you know, with your broadcast season for KU Baseball and everything, and Rich Price retiring at the end of the season. Uh, you've spent a lot of time around the skipper, and I know this season probably didn't go as hoped, but every single comment you hear about him from people who know him or interacted with rich price you seem to can't find a person who uh you know will say anything negative every time it's this guy helped me along so much or i wouldn't be where i am without coach price and just how much he positively impacted them or helped someone out in some way or another i'm curious do you have any favorite stories or, or memories 
of just being around Coach Rich Price for so long? Well, he is, without a doubt, one of the most impressive people I've ever met working in sports. And of all the coaches I've had a privilege to serve under, uh, going back to my days at Texas Tech and, and obviously all my coaches here at KU, he might be the absolute quintessential example of the best person in making other people feel appreciated and valued and a part of the team no matter what their role was whether you were his pitching coach or the volunteer student intern that refills the Gatorade jug you felt like a vital very important member of his team he would call you big time he he would tell you how much he meant you meant to them that kind of thing and Bill Self is excellent at that Tubby Smith at Texas Tech, when I worked for him, also a Hall of Fame caliber coach, he was excellent at that. I've been around football coaches to do a pretty good job of that. I think Lance Leipold right now is probably the best football example I've been around in that regard. But honestly, Coach Price was truly special when it came to the way he treated other people. And I think about all the challenges that come with the Kansas baseball job and what he made of his 20 years here. And yes, he would have loved to have gone to more NCAA regionals, would have loved to finish a little bit higher in the Big 12 pecking order. But for everything that he had to overcome based on where this program was at when he inherited it, based on where the facilities were at initially, and honestly where they still are today, I think Travis Goff would be the first to tell you that we've got some catching up to do, not just with the rest of the league, but within this state, with all of the renovations that Kansas State has done on their stadium. He made the most of it. And, uh, yes, we, you know, we didn't get to the postseason as often as we would like. And I think back to three or four teams that were absolutely on a collision course for NCAA tournament inclusion and then had – a horrible injury at the worst possible time to a key cog. And I just wonder what might have been. You know, it breaks my heart that he didn't get to experience more because in 2006, when he won the Big 12 tournament title and we all went up to Corvallis, Oregon for the Oregon State Regional hosting, it felt like the start of something big. And that, by the way, him being from uh, Oregon as a native and, and, and someone that was going back home, that was kind of the, the peak of, of the trajectory of Kansas baseball. And while he would go to multiple regionals after that, the next one being out at Chapel Hill a few years later, it, it felt like in 06 we were on this upward trajectory that it was going to be you know, a pretty regular thing. And sadly, some really bad injury luck and, and you know just some, some other falling short misfortune did not get Kansas ultimately to where I think he thought it would go in terms of the postseason. But when you look back on all the 30-win seasons and look back on some of the individual talent he produced, and then when you think about the lasting legacy and impact he had on growing up some of these young men into guys that have become huge successes beyond baseball. I think about Ryan Beatty, who, who runs the Mattress Hub, who's a, a great friend of mine, and, and he has over a dozen uh, you know, local franchise locations around the Midwest, not just in Kansas, but Oklahoma and all around the region. And uh, he's also a pastor, and he's running six-man strategies along with Matt Beatty, another KU baseball alum who also used to be the director of the Williams Fund. I think about all these young men that have grown up to be huge successes in life beyond baseball, and a big part of that was learning work ethic, how to treat other people, uh, communication skills, leadership skills, from watching a guy that, that did it about as well as any I've ever seen. And when it comes to just the way 
He made people feel valued and respected and a key cog in what he was building, truly the best I've ever been around. And and Bill Self obviously is, is right there with him because he does it on a national championship level of making folks all the way down to the people he might only interact with, you know, once a month, making them feel valuable. But Coach Price is one of those guys, even when I was at Texas Tech, he would constantly check in with me. And we, we had a bond that would last a lifetime. Uh, I remember one time, Texas Tech baseball coaches didn't like how much they saw Coach Price hugging on me during pregame when we went over to catch up. And they're like, what are you doing over there? Are you, are you giving away house secrets? And I'm like, no, he's just he's a friend that I'll take to the grave. And so when I think about him and his tenure, his staff with Ryan Graves and Richie and, and guys that have been a part of this thing for the bulk of his 20 years, these are people that, that really did leave it better than they found it. They made lifelong relationships in the process, and and I will be one of the biggest Rich Price fans and, and you know compare everybody that comes after him uh, and before him, quite frankly, to what he did, the standard he set for taking what is a pretty tough job and and making the most of it that he possibly could. And I think it's going to be a better and better job based on the position he's put Kansas in once Travis Goff has a chance to um, you know, enhance some of those you know, stadium shortcomings that, that don't quite measure up to some of the schools we're recruiting against. It's quite frankly impressive the recruiting jobs they've done in light of that, honestly. So uh, despite of that, I should say. And so I just think that he's a guy that, that deserves all the praise he gets. And, and my regret is that we didn't know completely this was coming until the very end because I wish he could have had a farewell tour across the Big 12 region because as the dean of Big 12 coaches and a guy who's respected so much by so many, I know he would have had – you know, special send-offs in every Big 12 town he went to because there's not a coach in this profession that doesn't think the world of Rich Price. And so I hope that uh, Kansas fans, you know, appreciate, even though he didn't have the postseason success as frequently as he would have liked, I, I hope they appreciate the man and the ambassador that he was, uh, you know, in growing up so many great young baseball talents. And in doing so, when, in some regards, at least within this league, the climate that you're in, facilities, the the you know the, the region in terms of baseball talent, you know he had some some odds stacked against him in many regards. It's not to say the next coach can't come in and knock it out of the park. I think he will. I think that with Travis Goff's foresight in in making coaching hires, from what we've seen so far with Coach Leipold and Coach Cool, we should be very excited there. But but I think Coach Price did as much as he could had he just had a little bit better luck with keeping guys healthy. This would have been a coach that went to six or seven NCAA regionals. And then you're talking about, you know, one every three years, which if that happens at Kansas, you're a Hall of Fame coach, you know. And in my mind, he's still a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Fame human being of all else. And, and I hope that, you know, that means something to some folks driving around listening to this tonight. I know a lot of folks, you know, they've, they've emptied their bucket in terms of fandom when basketball season is over and in baseball doesn't resonate nearly as much, but he's poured his heart and soul into this program for 20 years, and, and we all deserve to tip our caps to Skip because he absolutely was, was a first-class individual to work for and be around, and I'm just so grateful I got the 16 years of the 20 with him that I did, and even those four when I was in Lubbock, we were dear friends and stayed in close contact because that's the type of guy he is. 
Well said. Um, yeah, he's always been so friendly about, you know, coming on our show whenever I've needed to. And when you're a coach, you're a busy guy. So I've always appreciated that with uh, Rich Price. We're talking with Brian Haney here, the voice of the Jayhawks. And the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic is less than two weeks away, two weeks from yesterday for the game itself, obviously a full week of festivities. Um, we talked a little last week about some of the guys that have committed to the game and some players that we could see in action. Uh, announced earlier today that Mario Chalmers is going to be a part of the game, so that's obviously a big deal in its own right. But outside of that, are there any other player news or, or notes to be aware of headed into the action in a few weeks? Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, I'm trying to think who we've unveiled in the last couple of days because it's one of those deals where we strategically only let a few cats out of the bag until we get to the final couple of weeks. And part of that is some of these guys have unpredictable schedules and you get commitments one day a verbal that that doesn't turn into uh, a full commitment until you get him on the plane and he's coming down here. But we've got a few guys like that that are still big name guys that uh, we're we're very excited to reel all the way in uh, that right now are on the cusp of being announced. But I think our current number, as I sent in the Jersey order earlier this week to our friends at Printing Solutions, who does such a great job, Terry Jacobson and his crew here locally owned and operated. They donate so much to round ball and have for all 14 years. I think we were up to 41 players and coaches. And, and I think our number of, of like NBA experienced guys, whether they're current NBA or former NBA, I think we were at eight or nine with four still pending in the maybe column. So I'll hold off on the maybes until we feel more solidly. When I come on with you next week, I think we'll have a better idea because there's, there's one or two that, that kind of hinges on NBA playoff games still going right now and their availability. So we'll, uh, we'll check back in on that next week. But certainly big-time names. And, and, you know, for me, I always kind of get my excitement over the first-timers because we, we keep a running tab. I think we're up to, like, 111 different round ball stars over the course of 14 years and to get Diedrich Lawson and Malik Newman and Devon Dotson all back for the first time is really cool uh, and you start to get some of those reunions of, of you know Malik, Svee and Devante the greatest three-point shooting trio you know statistically in Kansas basketball history in terms of volume of threes and you think about having them on the same floor for the first time and four years, that's pretty special. And for, for Diedrich and Devon to come back and, and mix it up with some of those guys is pretty special. Uh, Frank Mason is verbaled. We're hopeful he'll be on the list. But when you think about some of those reunions in the backcourt, and, and now we'll get to see those guys go against each other. You know, So that's going to be kind of fun. Uh, guys that, that maybe played together, but now will play against each other and have some back and forth. I, I think you know those are all like the recent like last five-year guys who are still playing in the league. They're still in peak physical condition. Condition, I almost get just as excited to see Cole Aldrich versus Greg Ostertag, guys that, that are still in, in you know, all-star game shape but aren't in play professionally kind of shape. Now, Cole, he bikes every day, and uh, Greg actually still plays ice hockey. So I think they're still in good shape. They're just, not, they're just not playing professionally like those other guys are. But I'm just as excited to see those two go at it on the block, even if it's just for five minutes each half. Can you imagine those two big fellas just, just backing each other down and wearing each other out down there? That's going to be a ton of fun. But, uh, but we, we've got a great cast and crew. I mean, we've got the names like Tyshawn Taylor and Sharon Collins and Elijah Johnson and Tyrell Reed and Brady Morningstar. and Some of those guys you become accustomed to seeing 
on a yearly basis in the game. But we've also got the influx of new talent, too, and, and that gets me excited every year. And then we talked about it briefly last week, but new head coaches this year, some, some young blood in uh, Brett Ballard from Washburn. I want to make sure he gets on the radio with you in the next couple of weeks. I want to get him and Dub on the radio with you because they're two of the best dudes I know, but they're also – pretty fun when it comes to some playful smack talk. And I think I told you the line last week when Dub was talking to me about uh, those two going head-to-head. And I said, man, isn't this going to be great? 2002 Final Four teammates reunited. And, and he looks at me with a smile and he says, we won't be teammates that night. I'm coming for him. I'm up to talk some smack. You know? and so I think Brett's going to get a kick out of that. And then, you know, we're not supposed to promote it because something could come up with the franchise that he works for. But there's a pretty prominent top three career scorer at KU that works for an NBA organization that might be the top assistant on Brett Ballard's coaching staff for round ball if the NBA draft and the organization that's four and a half hours south of here doesn't need him in for a workout uh, of a prospect or something like that. So um, I didn't say your name, but uh, if you're listening, <laughs> we're hopeful Brett can convince you to be there because this particular guy, and I'm sure all your listeners have figured out who I'm talking about right now, Mr. Thunder, uh, who, who obviously is one of our all-time greats from the Roy Williams era, he, uh, he has donated a round ball almost every year for all 14 years. We've never actually gotten him there. So he said, don't promote, I'm going to be there. So I'm trying not to right now. But Brett's recruiting him as well. And if that's the top assistant on Brett's staff, uh, look out. That, that could be you know more great coaching talent from that 0-2 Final Four team that, that goes back and forth. So we'll see. That, that's one we're kind of holding our breath on and not, not getting too excited because that's what I'm saying when I mentioned that stuff can come up. And that's why all player announcements are subject to change and that kind of thing. But the good news is all the guys that we have on the maybe list have a heart for the cause. They understand why we do what we do. Um, I'll never promote a guy that I don't think has his heart fully in it and understand the, you know, the, the benefit that this, this night, the impact this has on these five children and, and a dozen more kids across the state that Baby J's legacy of hope will help us impact as well. And so all these guys that, that um, you know, we eventually put in the for sure common pile have, have gone through the process of, of understanding why we do what we do. And they're not just coming back because it's a chance to have a free trip to Lawrence and yuck it up with their buddies. They want to be there going through that, that handshake line when, when the lights are turned off and the starting lineups are announced and it's the five kids as the stars of the show. And you got Hank Booth and Eric Danielson on the PA belting out the at guard, a six-year-old from Topeka at two feet, six inches tall, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. And so we got some guys that, that are trying to make it back. And, and like I said, by next week, I'll give you the full-blown list. But I'm really pleased with how it's shaping up. Didn't know what to expect, uh, you know, moving it back to June this year after a couple of years of doing something in the late summer. But the, the rosters are looking great. And I, I think folks will be really pleased with who they get to interact with, whether you're just coming to the game on Thursday night, June 9th, or you're lucky enough to get a dinner ticket for the celebrity dinner on the 10th at the Burge Union presented by Johnny's Tavern or the uh, celebrity bowling event, the Round Bowl Classic on the 11th at Royal Crest Lanes presented by Jefferson's. Those are the best two interactive events. And I promise you, there's not another program in the Big 12, maybe not in the country, 
that, that has something like this with this many alumni coming back and has this type of face time and interactive time with the, the patrons and the donors and the fans that want to be a part of it. So $15 tickets, get them today at the 23rd Street Brewery. If you're listening in Topeka, you can get them at Johnny's Tavern, or if you're listening as a Kansas City commuter, you can get them at Johnny's at Ridgeview, Prairie Village, or Power and Light. But get those game tickets while you still can. And then bowling teams and, and dinner tables, or even we've opened up a few pairs of, of tickets. You can buy dinner tickets in pairs. You can buy those online today at rockchockroundballclassic.com. And uh, we will look forward to seeing you be a part of one of our three events, hopefully all three, next, uh, I guess, uh, 13 days from now, here coming up the 9th through the 11th of June. Well, awesome stuff. We're looking forward to it. Uh, real quick, before we let you go here, we are uh, we, we did this yesterday. We had fun with it, so we figured we're going to do basically another one. Uh, yesterday we did a, a draft of three-year players under Bill Self, so they had to stay exactly three years at KU. We counted guys with you know redshirt years and stuff to try to expand the draft pool. Uh, we had so much fun with it, we're doing later today a – draft of two-year Bill Self players. So again, if you redshirted a year like Ben McLemore, we're counting that as a two-year Bill Self player. Um, if you're the number one pick, I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but uh, I, I can give you some names off the top of your head. Devon Dotson, Aaron Miles, Ben McLemore, Keith Langford, um, Wayne Simeon, because he was only two under Bill Self, uh, Darrell Arthur, Diedrich Lawson. Uh, who stu- who uh, stood out among the names I gave you for maybe the best two-year Bill Self player if you were taking him uh, number one in your draft. Wow, how about that? So so one of the two years can be a redshirt year. It's it's still hard not to base it off of two years of production. Like, even though McLemore fits your criteria, if you give me two All-American seasons of Wayne Simeon, uh, that still trumps it. And even though Simeon's two Final Fours came under Roy Williams, I look at the productivity he had as a junior and a senior under self and, and think, gosh, was there a better you know, two-season stretch of a, of a two-year Bill Self guy? He'd be pretty tough to beat in that regard. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's a great one. You know, Devon Dotson, uh, for my remaining career and the rest of my days as a, a you know, so long as there's air in my lungs, uh, long life Jayhawk fan, I will always wonder what his legacy might have been if he just gets that last nine-game stretch because, what was he, 13 points shy of 1,000 um, in, in just two seasons? And if that team wins a national title and, and you know, he gets a chance to be a part of that run, we're looking at him as, as on the short list of, of great Bill Self guards, even in a two-year run. Uh, instead, he's robbed of all of that. And so if you just look at you know what the, the postseason run did for Malik Newman's legacy, look what it did for um, the, the legacy of David McCormick and how we completely changed the narrative on him. And by the way, great conversation about that last night on Hawk Talk with Coach Self, talking about you know how David probably deserves to be in the rafters if we're going to keep it based on criteria on most outstanding player. He should have at least been, at a minimum, the co-MOP, and he thought it was ridiculous that they have to take those votes with two minutes to go in regulation. And it was interesting. He, he brought up Mario Chalmers saying, you know, if Mario doesn't get the extra five minutes, like if, if they were truly counting the votes, at the two-minute mark in, in 2008 of regulation and didn't, you know, revote, including overtime and all that, 
the Mario miracle shot doesn't factor into the voting in San Antonio. And I was there in San Antonio. I wasn't part of the voting that day, so I don't know if there was a revote or whatever, but that was an interesting perspective. My point is, uh, it's amazing what three great weeks in March can do to a player's legacy and how you remember them. I mean, Darrell Arthur, for example, um, you know, he, he's a guy that he might have been the MOP if it wasn't for Mario's miracle because he had such a great championship game statistically. And, uh, and that's a two-year player that has to be high on the list. We don't think of him as much because he's just a two-year guy and it's the three- and four-year guys that we have a special place in our hearts for. But he'd have to be on the short list too. But anybody, you know, that, that uh, you know, makes the top of your list either needed to post a ton of production in their two seasons or have a really memorable postseason run. Big Dub may not have had that in the self era in terms of the memorable postseason run, but he certainly had, of anybody you mentioned, the best statistics in his two years under Bill Self, the most individual accolades in his two years. Add to it a first-round NBA draft pick and an NBA world champion, and he might be the, the immediate answer to your question unless you take a deeper dive into it. But that's, that's a good topic. Um, it's, just, it's just hard to look at the Macklemores when one of the two seasons was a redshirt season. You know what I mean? But he was certainly great in the one year we had him actually out on the floor and turns it into a lottery pick and, and all that. So he would definitely deserve some kind of conversation for sure. Who are you going with? Are you going to save that answer for later? Um, I'll save it for later, but uh, you know the guys you mentioned are up there. Darrell Arthur is interesting to me because of the fact that I think if he was on a different team that wasn't so darn loaded – like you could have convinced me based on that guy's skill and talent that he could have put up one of those Wayne Simeon, Diedrich Lawson type seasons where you know you're putting up 18 a game with eight, nine, ten rebounds, whatever it is. Uh, but also sleeper pick Julian Wright because if we're doing a draft and and you're putting together these players, like uh, you know if you want to play kind of a unique style of ball, you put Julian Wright at the four as this super athletic swingman. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> He, he had some of the best vision and passing ability for a player his size, maybe as much as, as any you know self small forward power forward type guy in terms of his frame. He, he was just truly gifted in that regard, and he was selfless and almost took more joy in making that extra pass to set up a teammate than anything else he did. So he's he's a great example. I don't think he'd make the top three necessarily. Uh, and obviously, he, he finished up on an Elite Eight team in 2007 as a sophomore. But he gives you two full seasons, one of which ends in a lottery pick, draft pick status. Um, he was pretty special. But he was one of those guys that came in a little bit raw out of Homewood, Homewood Flossmoor High in the Chicago area. And he was just scratching the surface of his potential when he decided to leave for the league. I, I wish we could have seen him with one more season of development and what that would have looked like had he put it all together at the collegiate level. But real quick story. I know we're running long on time. Uh, but Julian was in the locker room after the 2008 national championship win. Jason King wrote a book about memories from that season, and he had a bunch of media guys each write a chapter. And my chapter was about the selflessness and the sheer joy uh, and happiness for his teammates that Julian displayed celebrating with those guys in the locker room immediately after. He'd flown in. He was only in town for like – nine hours before he left again, but he, he left his, his New Orleans team to be there with Mario and Brandon and those guys he came in with. And to see the sheer joy and, and just 
absolute exhilaration on his face when they won it and celebrating after, you would have thought he hit the shot. There was no woe is me, you know, feeling remorse or feeling jealousy or whatever. He was so genuinely happy. And I'll remember that for as long as I live. And I know that doesn't relate to your the topic for today. But that's what I wrote about in Jason's book, because to see that happiness for his brothers who did stay the extra year and now will live in, in glory in Kansas lore for the rest of their careers and to be just as excited for them as if he'd hit the shot, that speaks to the type of heart Julian has. And uh, that's one of my favorite memories from that 08 team, no doubt. Well, Brian, appreciate you joining us. I know we ran a little long today, but I really enjoyed all the parts of the conversation. So thank you again, and have a good weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Always a pleasure, man. Get those tickets today at 23rd Street Brewery here in Lawrence. Appreciate you promoting the classic, and I'm excited. We'll have your play-by-play chops on the call on June the 9th. That's going to be a ton of fun right here on KLWN. He is Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Four o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. We've got our two-year player draft coming up in the five o'clock hour. We're going to do a fun bottom five, top five with uh, Adam of things about working here. That coming up on the other side. We also have some Bill Self Hawk Talk audio, some more of it to share with you coming up later this hour. But it's that time on a Friday. Stock market is closed. Let's find out what in the world of sports where the stocks are going up, where they're going down. Last week, you were in a good mood. A lot of stocks were going up last week. Let's we'll see fact, what mood I'm you in. You knew I only had one. You're probably, last week you were in a good mood because you, know, you were only stuck with me for one more week. Now you're just <laughs> a couple more hours. You're 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 ecstatic mm. right now. Stock is up on things that are more than we asked for. All right, okay. Um, you know, nobody really asked for certain things to happen. For instance, uh, stock being up in, in things that we didn't ask for. Winnie the Pooh making a horror film about him. Yeah, that was one of the first kind of new developments. Now that. Um it was one or two years ago that the, the the Christopher Robin story and the Winnie the Pooh story, all that went into the public domain. Um, and, uh, yeah, one of um, – now somebody made a Winnie – I'm just sad they didn't call it Winnie the Pooh. Well, if they anything, called it They called it, what, like Honey and Blood, right? Yeah, it's called Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. It's a horror retelling of the famous legend of Winnie the and Pooh. Pooh Bear looks terrifying. Yes. It's like a Winnie the Pooh mask that I don't know if it actually is supposed to be Winnie the Pooh or if it's a guy wearing a Winnie the Pooh mask. I don't know, but it, yes, it is very horrifying. Well, no matter what, I mean, stock's down on. No childhood matter what memories. the concept of the movie is, it is a guy in the Winnie, in the, Winnie the Pooh mask. Right, it's, right. Oh, bother. Oh, do you think he's gonna? I don't even want. I, I, I'm not gonna. I'm watch not it. watching. That. I'm not. I'm watching not watching it. that. But yes, yeah, look, look, look. I like a good horror movie. Can I tell you a good? Nobody I, asked for that though. Can Pick I tell you a good else. story about a? Talk about getting more than I asked for in a good way. Um, this is another story about a horror movie. Uh, not at, Well, Winnie the Pooh is not a horror story. It, it's become one with this film. But uh, one horror movie that is in the public domain is Night of the Living Dead. And I have, I, I, have, I, have I mentioned, as I've mentioned before, my favorite band, Coheed and Cambria, that I've seen 30-something times in concert, among those was this four-night uh, performance in Los Angeles. At that time, they had released four albums, and it was Wednesday, 
Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they played an album each night, and it was awesome. Well, at the end, uh, the the last night, they they had this these screens behind them, and and before the performance began, they said we years ago when we were, when they were just getting started, they performed at some bar that had some crummy big screen TV behind them, and that gave the lead singer Claudio this idea that someday he wanted to perform with a movie going on in the background. And ultimately, for mainly financial purposes and, you know, entertaining movie, known movie, but also the fact that it was in the public domain, they played their final show of that of that week with Night of the Living Dead playing in the background. Much better than a horror Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, horror Winnie the Pooh, no good. Nobody asked for that. Uh, also, in the column of nobody asked for that, Avatar Part 2. I saw uh, a movie the other day, and while I was at the movies... One of the previews was for Avatar Part 2. Like the James Cameron one with yes. the Smurfs? or yes. Okay. That I, came out like a decade ago. I enjoyed. Now, look, I don't know if you're old enough, or maybe this was such a classic one that no matter Dude, what age you were. it came out in were, 2009. Well, I was 13 years. We don't need a sequel. I enjoyed. Nobody asked for this. I enjoyed Avatar. They're coming I, out with I, like five more. You well, this, look, right? I want to I say this. One, though, well, I'll get, I'll get to my thoughts on the sequel in a moment. But real quick, Avatar, I liked... But I, I don't know if this was just a movie for my generation or if it became so timeless that all kids watched it at one point in their life. But uh, Avatar was just like an adult version of Ferngully is all it was. I don't know what that is. I do know uh, Atlantis. The uh, I don't know if it was Disney or Pixar or something. I don't know. Uh, animated movie. Uh, if you've ever seen Atlantis, uh, I think it's called Atlantis. It might be called something else. It is literally a ripoff of that. It's it's basically just the exact same thing that happened. Well, Fern Gully came out before Atlantis, so okay. the whole well, thing. Anyway, that, right? Um, um, but yeah, but back to the, the the thing about sequels. And look, I've got no problem on the surface with like comic book movies and those sorts of things. But my frustration, and this this is, bleeds into the the Avatar thing and all these new movies, but aren't really new, is that nobody wants to take a chance. Like nobody wants to take a chance on a new story. So they're just like, let's do this, let's do that. You know what I'm saying? I that, agree. That bothers me a lot. Yeah, that, I, I do not like that. That like seemingly every movie is just a you know basically a reboot of something. Yeah, that is a problem. But beyond that fact, like a lot of those are reboots. This is a freaking sequel. Thirteen years later, no, and I'll but say that, this. But if they're not doing reboots, they're doing sequels. No, but I'll say this: like like Top Gun, the the sequel is out, and that's been so many years. But I have heard glowing reviews about that, and that actually is something that I'm cool seeing a, a sequel of. But like this. It was like it was a cool movie at the time. It was something where it was it was like groundbreaking with the the CGI use and the graphics and everything and visually what it looked like. But now that's just no longer the case. So what are we doing here? Thirteen years later, what is this going to all be about? And then the other thing in uh, things that we you know didn't really bargain for, Stranger Things four. Not that people very much people want Stranger Things four. I, I don't mean it from that standpoint. But things that we didn't ask for is that every episode is a billion hours long. Yeah. Every episode, so they're going to release, there's nine episodes, they're going to release the first seven actually today got released, and then the other two episodes get released on, it's either, I think it's July 1st, and every episode is like an hour and 15 minutes, and then the final episode of this release is like an hour 40, and they slowly go up, it's like an hour 20, hour 25, and then the final two episodes are like an hour 45 and the last episode is two and a half hours. They're it trying is just to a movie. They're trying to build on every episode's a movie. They're trying to build on what happened to forty five minutes. Uh, Game of Thrones, who kind of did that. They're like, okay, 
well, we're going to make some of our final season episodes an hour 15, an hour, an hour and a half. And so Stranger Things is like, oh, we're going to make all of them at least an hour and a half. And then we're going to make one two and a half hours. And sometime, someday somebody's going to, another series is going to go, oh, your final episode was two and a half hours where ours is two parts, three hours a piece. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just this wanting to build just and, whole, and outdo what other people have done. The whole point of TV series over movies is that you can consume multiple and over a short period of time, or you can just consume one and be done with it after a quick hour, 45 minutes or whatever. Uh, this is, is very much not that. So, like, I'm, I'm going to watch Stranger Four Things, I, or Stranger Things 4, um, but... I just I, I can't wrap my head around that that it's it's taking away the experience. The things that uh, I did not ask for, we did not ask. Save for. yourself a lot of time Stocks and up. just watch uh, Super Eight. Love that movie. Socks down on the Pro Bowl. Now, <laughs> well, how much further can it go? Yeah, it's, no, I mean it can hit zero. It can go bankrupt. Well, I I think it's about a caterpillar's belly away from the ground. It is. But again, it is it's now. still happening, so there still is value, but it could hit zero because the NFL could do away with the Pro Bowl. So even you if go it's... the route of Lehman Brothers. Yeah, even if it's only 50 cents a share, you know, get out now before it does hit zero. And uh, no official decision has been made. They're also talking about changing it up, which maybe you could argue stocks up because it could change up and Again, if it's this low, like, could it just get better? That uh, They might do a seven-on-seven seven competition um, that would include a full game with no tackling, which basically the game now doesn't really have real tackling anyway. Um, Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network reported that the NFL could use the Pro Bowl Sunday to showcase players who are voted to the Pro Bowl without holding an actual game. They could do a flag football game as a possible solution. This past year's Pro Bowl was the lowest rated it's very Pro Bowl simple. in 16 years. They used to have a third place game called the Playoff Bowl. Bring that back. Make it to where you get paid. Because I understand the immediate reaction will be, well, yeah, but a lot of players won't play in a third place game because they don't want to risk injury. But make it so, like the rest of the playoffs, the more you advance, the more you get a higher bonus. So the team that wins the Super Bowl gets a bigger bonus than the team that loses the Super Bowl, and they get a bigger bonus than the teams that lose in the conference championship, et cetera, et cetera. So just add a financial incentive to it. Make it a real football game. Somebody gets third place. When you announce it, you're going to get people going, I'm sick of this culture, or everybody gets a trophy. And you can reply, well, jackass, they did it in the 1960s. It's not a new concept. A third-place game is nothing new. I don't get why this is so hard. A third-place game, if you play a third-place game in the city where the will be the Super Bowl will be played the following year, that thing will sell out, and a ton of people will watch it because it will be real football. And I don't get why it's so hard for them to just do that. It is interesting because in my head I'm like, well, I don't want to, I don't know, why should I care? But I also think about it from the standpoint of, like, the FIFA World Cup. If you if, if Team USA was ever in the third place game, you know how cool that'd be? You know how awesome well, that'd and, be? And I kind of look at it as even if the Chiefs aren't in, because I know the Super Bowl everybody's going to watch, but even if the Chiefs aren't in the AFC and NFC, obviously they'll never, well, as of now, they'll never be in the NFC championship. But what I'm saying is even if the Chiefs aren't in the conference championship, you're still watching those because it's football. It's playoff football. Yeah. So I just you, wonder, like, get, how let down would you feel if they lost in the conference championship? If they're playing a third place game. Like, how much are you going to That's care? true. There would be a letdown from the fan base. I agree, Both fan bases, I agree. Although I still think there's something to be said about 
it'd be worth watching. But I do think a lot more nationally, a lot more neutral fans that would watch it than than fans that watch the uh, uh, oh yeah the Pro Bowl because they'll watch Jaguars Browns on yeah, a Thursday exactly. night. Of course, they'd watch that. Okay, uh, stocks up and down on Canada. Nobel. Sorry, I was yeah. uh, taken aback. Uh, I've I've never known stock <laughs> to be anything but up, up, up in Canada. Well, no Canadian team has won the Stanley Cup in uh, since 1993. It was Montreal. That was a it. great series. I'm going to tell you that series. I believe it was it against the Kings. No, I have no idea. Well, regardless, I can tell you that Stanley Cup. They're about that Montreal Canadiens team, Canadiens. Mm-hmm. Um, which do you know why they have an H in the middle of their logo? No, I'll I've tell no you idea, that in but a second. I know their nickname, the Habs. Yeah, well, that's that's what it okay. is. So, um, so the the Canadiens, I think, some incredible like six or eight of their total playoff games that year they won in overtime. It was amazing, and there was this huge dramatic moment in the Stanley Cup Finals where the opposing um, the opposing goal uh, goalie was uh, called out for using a legal an illegal stick, and they got a penalty for that. It was mm. it was crazy. Um, so yeah, that was uh, that was a fun little series. But no, the H. Uh, so the Habs comes from. There's a French. Um, the people who first settled there were referred to in the French les habitants, which is habitants. Um, so that's where the H comes from, and that's where the term Habs comes from. Okay. Well, no team has won it since then, almost 30 years ago. So it's been Patrick a Patrick Waugh was their goalie. Which is crazy because I thought Patrick Waugh was with the Avalanche. Was he's, he there before? He's been all over the place. I So, like, you would just think that for Canada, this being, like, their big sport, this is their national sport, and it's not like this is the MLB or the NBA where there's only one team from they have Canada. a few, and they have more now than ever. Correct. You have Edmonton, Calgary, um, you have uh, Montreal, you have Toronto, Winnipeg, now. Winnipeg, right. Vancouver. So, yeah, Vancouver. That's, what, six teams right there? So, I mean, that's that's a big chunk of teams. To not have won it in 30 years for areas that care so much about the sport. Uh, so, Stock's down on part of this because Calgary lost. That is one of the, the Canadian teams. But Stock is up. Because Edmonton was the team that beat Calgary. So no, no matter what, now that's that was just to advance to the conference finals, Correct. right? So no matter what, they were guaranteed a team at least in the conference finals. Yeah, Edmonton won four to one, and they're not getting one in the East, right? No, uh, Tampa Bay is going to play either Carolina, who's up or three to Rangers. two, or the Rangers, who's down in that series. And then you have the Avalanche, who are up three to two on the Blues, will play the Edmonton Oilers, but the Oilers, they could do it. I mean, Connor McDavid is, is one of the best players, most talented, unbelievable goal scorer. How Leon many did they get with Gretzky? Three or four? I don't know. Probably a billion. Yeah, they, I mean, yeah, he's he's Mr. Mr. Hockey. Mm-hmm. Or no, Mr. Hockey's Gordie Howe, uh, the great one. I apologize, everybody. Okay, last one. Stock is up on legacy talk. Okay, my, like, my legacy here? No. Um... What do you think your lasting legacy will be? The guy who worked there for eight months? <laughs> okay. uh, it was in regards to Steph Curry making the finals. He won Western Conference Finals MVP, which is a new award they're giving out. And now he joins a very elite list of players who have made six finals appearances. There's talk about him being a top 10 player all time. If he wins another ring, it'd be his fourth, I believe. Uh, the legacy talk will continue to soar on. That is one thing that the NBA does I mean, I guess the NFL does it with quarterbacks, but it's just mm-hmm. quarterbacks, really. Um, the NBA does this with with all of any star players 
uh, once you get further and further into the playoffs or if you lose in the playoffs, it's this guy's no good. This guy is all-time great. This time is the this guy's the best ever. This guy's the best player in the world. Legacy talk is about to be at an all-time high as we enter the NBA Finals, and it'll be Steph Curry. How great of a player is he all-time? Is he top 10 all-time? Uh, and then it'll be, if the Celtics win, it'll be, is Jason Tatum the new number one player yeah. in the NBA? And, and legacy will continue. Legacy talk will continue because that'll be... The Celtics as a whole, who and to be have made, clear, I think it's all stupid, but the stock is up on it yeah. happening. I mean, it's very clear. It's off-season talk. It's mm-hmm. it's it's when you're doing a radio show from midnight to six a.m. It's one of those. It's a, it's a conversation. It's the same as Mount Rushmore talk. Um, but I do want to add, uh, Legacy's talk will continue to be up if the Celtics make the finals too, because that's they've made half of the all-time Eastern Conference Finals. They've won seventeen World Championships. Um, I don't think enough people talk about them as what they are, which is the New York Yankees of the NBA. They're they're incredible as a franchise, like really yeah. truly amazing. Yeah, except the NBA, you have a salary cap. Which yeah, it's, I mean it's even more. I mean they and it, it's been multiple eras. Like you know everybody knows like with Red Arbach and Havlicek and um, and Bill Russell and those guys. But then you had Larry the Larry Bird era in the eighties, and then they but they they snagged another one in 08, and they, mm-hmm. so they've gotten at least one in the modern era. Um, and and they could very well get another this year. I mean, they they're something, man. Yeah, they are. Uh, I lied. I actually have one more I wanted to get to because uh, this was news earlier today. I don't know. Stocks down on the Browns. Stocks down on again. That goes back to the Pro Bowl. Yeah, like that's that's yeah. that's a, that's the frog's go. ass away from the ground, um, man. Well, uh, David and Joku. Got a four-year, $56.75 million <laughs> extension. David Njoku, fine player. Um, he's still young. He's, he's heading into his age 26 season. Uh, but over five NFL seasons, he has amassed 1,754 receiving yards. He has only surpassed 500 yards in a season once. His season high for most receiving yards uh, was 639 back in 2018. So he's fine tight end. But that is a lot of money. And out of comparison... Um, Travis Kelsey, I've heard of him, signed a four-year extension worth fifty-seven point two five million dollars one year ago. Look, I, look, this is a signing, and I, I told you this off the air, but I actually forgot the term. The term I thought it was—I I knew a guy who would would coin the phrase. I, I thought it was a, a, an off-the-bus contract, and that they looked really great getting off the bus, but weren't super productive. I was wrong. This guy called it a shirtless contract. You're in the weight room. You see the dude shirtless, and you're like, my God. And then, you you know, that's what, like, his physical, his his measurable physical skills are, are out there. If you ever see this in Joku without it, like, he's an incredible physical. Spe- like, yeah, again, is. I use the term freaks among freaks because every pro athlete is a freak physically. They just are. And Joku is a freak among freaks. He's an athletic specimen. Yeah. But from a productivity standpoint, this is a shirtless contract because he looks great without a shirt on, but I haven't seen top three, top four tight end productivity, and he's getting— Probably not even top ten. And he's getting top three, top four tight end money. Now, again, over five seasons, he has 1,754 receiving yards. That is a season and a half for Travis Kelsey. He's got his best season. Did he have his four touchdowns in the same year as his 600 yards? He's had four touchdowns three times this season. Okay, so, One was so that his year. Tops for, he's, he's had three four-touchdown seasons, and that is his tops. Four touchdowns. He's done it three times. And then, yeah, like six and a quarter, 650 is his high 639. for yards. Golly. Crazy. 
But, yeah, you're right. Stock is always down on the Browns. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravetta. I am Derek Johnson. We'll have our two-year player draft coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. But first, I tasked Adam with a job um, when he let us know that that he was going to be um, moving on to another position in, in Kansas City. And this would have been, I don't know, a week ago, a week and a half ago. I told him. I want you to come up with a top five, bottom five list mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of, at that point, basically best things and worst things about working here. So yes. you have done your job. You've done, done your done homework. That. Yes. Uh, it was a pass fail. You passed. Congratulations. Good, good. Um, but without further ado, I I think that we should do the bottom five first. End on a high oh, note. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? End on a high note. Absolutely. Okay. I am in completely in favor of that. Okay. Well, so, uh, so we'll do bottom five first, then top five. Adam, you can take uh, it away. All right, we were going to the, the bottom five things about working here. Number five. Number five, the insistence by the higher-ups that I wear pants. <laughs> I don't think that's necessary. <laughs> by the way, that is an all-work I am a big, not just an Adam. I am a big fan of comfort. And I don't understand why other people shouldn't be a big fan of comfort. That's, when you say pants, you just mean pants, shorts, anything. Any form of pants, yeah. I'm wearing shorts. Yeah, me too. But I am doing so in protest. Mm. So you walk into work every day and you look around and you're like, Ugh. This is ridiculous. This is this is a, a, a restrictive, closed-minded environment is what it is. I hate to break it to you, but I believe the next place you're working is going to require you to wear pants as well. I'll find out day one. Mm. It's going to be the first thing I ask. I hope that you don't just show up without pants. You know, that's not a bad idea. Again, we, we talked about this earlier. Always you certainly always, make an impact always on better to coworkers. Ask, ask forgiveness than, uh, always better to ask forgiveness than, um, than, than, uh, than permission, you know? I'm being dead serious. Do you think if you showed up without pants on your first day of work, they'd be like, you're fired I, I, right Yeah, away. I don't think it would work out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's next? Yeah. Number, Number four, four, worst thing about uh, working here. The Wi-Fi is about as good as it was during the Civil War, which yeah. is to say not good. So I have a uh, like hotspot capability. Most people do, right? On your phone. I probably use the hotspot on my phone for Wi-Fi about 50% of the time we're in here because the Wi-Fi never works. It's hideous. The internet, the, the ground internet's not great either, but the Wi-Fi is absolute butt city. Yeah, you, you're lucky if you can get like... You cannot watch a YouTube video. It could be a 15-second YouTube yeah, yeah. video. That thing ain't loading. Um, I can barely get it to, to work the internet to begin with. So, yeah, that, that's a good one. That would be on my top five. Yeah, it's hideous. Leaving. Don't worry. So, moving on. Number three. Number three, worst thing about working here. Working at a radio station makes it easier for the aliens to read my mind. Mm. All this equipment. That's true. They, they have satellite tap right dishes. In. It's yeah. going straight up to the sky. Yep. Do you ever think, like, we're our show is being heard by some galaxy or universe that we don't even know about and they're like our number one fan i hope you know they don't know much about because we're the only show they get they just like hey we love rock chalk sports stuff yeah 
sign my tentacles. Yeah, and they, yeah. they don't know what we're talking about half the time. No, but they're big fans. They don't even speak English, but they just. But they're probably smart enough, they, like they, they know every language. You know, they, you know what I mean? they probably up. know every yeah. language. Yeah, and they they can't watch the games, but. They're like, wow, that KU basketball team, man. Yeah, they're they're impressive. I don't know what national championship means, but that's terrific. (laughs) Good for them. And those guys are cut up. All right, moving on. Number two. The number two worst thing about working here is the fact that I need an off-road vehicle to navigate the damn parking lot. (laughs) We have have so many potholes in the parking lot. And I don't even know if that's uh, the radio's, uh, like, I, I yeah, I don't know if... I if, think it's owned by someone else. But it, that's very possible. The I don't... Yeah, that may not be something to blame the... Uh, that that's may not true. be something to blame... I go through it every day, and I'm like, am I going to pop a tire today? Yeah, it's um, awful. It's funny, too, because maybe a year ago, they I don't know, maybe even less than that, somebody came in and, like, tried to fix it, and they added in this, like, this gravel stuff, and then it, like, rained that, oh, that yeah. weekend, because they did it on, like, a Friday, and it, like, rained that Saturday... And somebody brought in a semi truck and ran over it, and it just made it so much worse. There's a uh, there's a, a shopping center in Gardner that kind of has it, it's got the, the the grocery store there, and then it's got a line of restaurants. Like there's a Good Sense, there's a Chinese takeout joint, uh, there's a laundromat, those sorts of places. Mm-hmm. And um, the the parking lot there was hideous. It was so bad, and the guy kept trying to just fix it in all these cheap ways, and it never took, and it never held. And finally, the guy sold it, and the new owner just said, all right, I'm just redoing the whole thing. So they just cut it up and resurfaced it, and it's been beautiful ever since. Maybe, just maybe, you pool your resources and get something going here, because I'm going to warn you, uh, park across the street and walk (laughs) if you're coming to pick up a prize. I was just going to say, if you're coming in for prize pickup, you want something for trivia, beware. Don't pop a tire. Yep. And... The number one worst thing about working here. They can't fire me now, so I'm going to say it. The national show that runs before us is absolutely hideous. (laughs) It is just pure, just three hours of awful. And I am not the only person in this building who feels that way. (laughs) I don't think I can comment on this one, but... I'm glad you you find it. Yeah, well, we'll just take your laughs as your comment. (laughs) It is turd, man. It is just awful. Let's move on to the good things now. Oh, they're trying to come into the door. And oh, get my you God. Out. They're getting me. Here they come. <laughs> and look, I'm, I want to be clear. It's not because I'm overly woke. It's not because I'm some snowflake. It's just an awful radio program, guys. It really is. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the good things. The number five best thing about working here. Number five. I feel like an adult because I have my own work email. Oh, That's yeah. been cool. I get to sign in with my own work email. It's got my name in it and everything. That's got to be frustrating, though, that now you're leaving for another job. And it's not because if it is a personal email, it doesn't matter where you go. Mm-hmm. Now it's just going to like, do you ever think somebody's going to try to contact you with life changing news via that email? I, well, I hope not. Well, and, and then they just can never get in touch with you. Well, hopefully they, if it's that life changing, they'll make it a point to find me on Facebook or look me up in the white pages. Well, or like something. you do the, the weekend show uh, or I guess did, although I guess there's another one coming out this weekend. The Community Corner, Yeah, right? yeah Community Corner, yeah. And what happens if somebody who has been on with you with the show is like, we want to thank you so much for like the support you've had. Here's $10 and, like, million. Yeah, we had we like a surplus. We're a nonprofit, so we can't take any money. We have a surplus <laughs> of $100,000, and we just want you to have it because you helped raise us this money, and you'll just never know. Well, never know. It, that's, you know what, then I would be for the best, and they just put it put it right back into your, <laughs> build a new wing or, or something, or, or yeah, yeah, I, yeah, find find a better way I to think spend it. Find a good way to spend it. Find a better way to spend it. 
number four. The number four best thing about working here. A three to six show allows me to keep my nocturnal lifestyle. You've known me for years. I'm a bit of a vampire, something of a bat. I'm always up at crazy hours and uh, beginning to be able to start my day at 3 p.m. really is a nice perk. Do you think if you had to do the early morning shift, so like, you know, Cole comes in in the morning. I'd stay up. I was going to say, would you just yeah, be doing I'd be more, I'd be more likely to stay up than, than yeah, um, and then go go home and go to bed at uh, 11 or noon or whatever the case may be. Um, but that would get old very quick. I will say my first job, at, it's doable for me. My first job out of college while I was working part-time at a radio station and needing something else to supplement my income, I worked at a paint store. And I had to get there at 6 a.m. And I got there. And, and so it's doable. It's just not my favorite thing. I just... I really just come alive at night. That's when I've been like that my whole life. Even when, you know, my, my parents, they you were probably torture for your parents. They're like, go to bed. It's nine o'clock. Well, and like, that no. was the thing. I, but I, I, you know, they said they had a set, you know, bedtime for me. And I would just lay in bed and I just <laughs> wait and just stay awake. And sometimes I'd wait for them to go to bed and I'd listen and I'd, then I'd sneak out and go and watch Conan or something. I just, <laughs> I never slept well at night ever. I don't know why. I've just always, all right, yeah, I've just always been a, a bit of a hoot owl. All right. Number three. The number three best thing about working here. Sponsors like 23rd Street Brewery and Eileen's Cookies are not shy about sharing their products with us. Mm, no, that's great. Isn't um, that beautiful? Eileen's will come in here. We'll get the, the sugar cookies, or we just have sleeves of, like, all sorts of cookies back there. They're great. They're great if you need a snack in, in 23rd Street Brewery. Oh, get and all the bills Shout out to Dawn, because she'll always send out mm-hmm. an email. Don will send out an email when the, when Eileen's cookies are in, and it's a wonderful day when it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they are. I'm going to miss those. you have a favorite those. Eileen's cookie? Peanut butter. Okay. Do you have a favorite uh, 23rd Street Brewery? Bill Self Mac and Cheese. Boom. There we go. Yeah. Um, that's what I'll... Yeah. I always get that. Um, they have... Now, look. Their French dip is, is off the hook, yeah. too. Um, 23rd Street, not Eileen's. Although, look. If <laughs> Eileen's tried to make a French dip cookie, I'm sure it would be terrific. Yes, it would. Dip it um, in some, I don't know, chocolate frosting or yeah, something. Yeah, 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 not a bad you. idea. Um, but, yeah, no, that uh, that's a great thing, getting spoiled by our sponsors. And we have great sponsors, but in terms of the ones that, that provide, you know, that, that, whose business is in, in, in the, the realm of food, they spoil us, man, and it's a lot of fun. Number two. The number two best thing about working here is the city of Lawrence. I grew up in Gardner. Uh, my family has no real connection to Kansas. Uh, everybody before me came from uh, Illinois. Well, before, even way, way before that was uh, Florence, Italy. Um, but in terms of the more recent uh, generations of my family, my two older sisters and my parents both came from uh, Western Illinois. And um, my myself and my baby sister were the only ones of our family born here in Kansas. And I was from Gardner. Well, I still am from Gardner, and I, you know, we had no connection to Lawrence. We had no connection to the University of Kansas, but I was always drawn here. And I, I as soon as I was old enough to drive, I would go to Lawrence all the time. Um, I, lo- you know, I love live music, and this is a great place for that. I, I, you know, I'm a bit of an oddball, which I think is is a great thing to be in a town like Lawrence. Um, I love Lawrence. I absolutely love this town. I love the people. I love the creativity of this town. And I love that I've been able to do something creative in this town. Uh, not for a long period of time, but still, um, I love Lawrence. And I really, honestly, I'm my next, the, the radio station I'm going to officially is based out of kind of the Overland Park area. 
guys, I might just live in Lawrence anyway. <laughs> I love this town so, yeah. so much. Um, I don't know. So, yeah. Being probably a, find housing cheaper. Well, yeah, we'll see. Being yeah. able to work in Lawrence has been a, a blessing. I love this town so much. I really can't emphasize enough how big of a deal it is to me that I'm, you know, something of a part of this community. Um, next up. Number one. The number one thing about working here, we're getting a little sentimental. I spent the last eight months working with one of my best friends. Oh, I appreciate it. And that is, not a lot of people can say that. No, they can't. And, you know, I I think we had a a very good working environment, too. Yeah, I think so. uh, I very much enjoyed this. I very much enjoyed having you here. I think it was great that we got to hire you on. And Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have changed anything going back. I know it was uh, short-lived, but... Like I said, we got some cool memories getting to cover KU during the NCAA championship. We were, for some of the games, we were together watching. For other games, we left in the middle of it, and then we got back (laughs) together on Mass Street after it was over. Uh, But, yeah, no, it was, I mean, you know, we kind of, Derek and I became friends in college, and and we've stayed friends even when we weren't working together. And um, so, yeah, now he had to deal with a lot more of me than he ever really had to before, and he put up with it. Well, that was a great bottom five, top five. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout. This is RCST on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. One last thing. I do got to say, a bottom five thing about working at a place like this Mm -hmm. is these ridiculous FCC violations. And here's what I have to say about these rules, these FCC violations. Derek, I Don't. don't give... Five o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Yesterday, we did a draft of three-year Bill Self players. They redshirted or had to sit out a year due to transferring. Um, we still counted that into they the years. Here for three years, exactly. Rather, in the program with Bill they Self played, and uh, a couple guys we forgot yesterday. Mario Little, who completely slipped my mind. Yeah, although you know, again, like there's no guarantee he would have been drafted, and and same with Silvio De Sosa. Um, Again, like, I don't know if he's drafted. He's probably a more important player than, like, my sixth man, Brandon Green, but I wanted the shooting off the bench. So I'm not sure it would have changed anything for me. But, yeah, those those are guys there. So uh, Little we, was a weird one because he was a Juco player that also had a red shirt. Yeah, but he played one year, then red Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, so it was kind of a bizarre little deal. Mm-hmm. But, you know, biggest memory, and I, I think a lot of fans will agree with me, biggest Mario Little memory to me maybe there he had a few pretty impressive dunks but for me it'll always be when he got when can't when they called a foul at the end of the kansas ucla game that sent little to the free throw line the game was tied with about i think like 0.7 less than a second left and ben howland lost it on the sideline um and mario little i think can both of those free throws if not he certainly can at least one and, and kansas won it without needing overtime so that was a fun one. Um, by the way, Emmanuel Acott, who is a uh, transfer, he's in the transfer portal from Boise State, who was a tournament team, averaged uh, about 11 points per game, three rebounds. He would be in his, he started college in 2017 18, so an old player is returning from the NBA draft. Does that, uh, ah, doesn't really ring my interest much. He's in the portal, though? But he is in the portal, so I guess yeah. keep an eye now that we're kind of awaiting KU decisions. Nonetheless, let's get to our draft of two-year Bill Self players. Uh, I picked first yesterday. Yeah, did you see the final results? I don't even know if it has gone final. I think it was 55-45 in favor of Adam. Nah. 
Check again. Keep checking till I win. All right. No. Count, um, count every ballot. Send people to the send people yeah. to the place to make sure they're count. all getting counted. Yeah, it looks like there's 18 minutes left, so I could still pull the comeback, but you're up 54-46. Pretty impressive if you did. That would be. Um, so you had the number one pick in that draft. I'll have the number one pick this draft, which honestly, I would rather have the second pick if you would rather have the first pick if you want to change. I don't. Okay. Uh, you get at. the back-to-back, the snake. Yes. So I will have the first pick. I am going to go big dub, Wayne Simeon. Yep, that's a good one. Um, I'm assuming he's going to play the center position for me uh, just because, I don't know, I guess we'll wait and see. We'll, we'll see how I end up drafting. But most likely, I want to play a little faster, speedier style of basketball unbelievable final season with bill self and again wayne Simeon was four years at kansas but this is two years under bill self he was two years with bill self all american 20 points 11 rebounds per game absolutely dominant on the block it's unfortunate that he didn't have the tournament success his last two years when he was the star on the team um there's a lot of good players here devon dotson aaron miles ben mcclemore keith langford julian wright uh wayne Simeon, darrell arthur Diedrich lawson i just view the production he had and and I think that it's hard for this draft because how do you view it? Do you view it most accomplished to KU or, or in that time span under Bill Self, do you view it as who would the be player the at the peak, yeah. the player who had the best individual season? Uh, do you view it as best the basketball team put career? together? Yeah. Right. It's it's hard to view it, but I just I look at what he accomplished. He was so darn good. I'll take Wayne Simeon number one. This is a difficult one because I think this is going to cause me to miss out on a player who I really want. I'm gonna we go back to back. I know, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the point guard position and take Aaron Miles. Oh, I thought you would have gone Devon. I and mean, you can't go wrong. No, I think Aaron Miles. It's just their different styles. Yeah, of yeah, game. yeah. I really like Aaron. And, and maybe more maybe a it's, scorer. Miles is more of a facilitator. Maybe it's an an age thing because like I remember Miles as a freshman. I mean, I remember Devon as a freshman too, but I was an adult. Like, you know. When you're a kid, some players just mean a lot to you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, All-time leader and assists in the Big so 12. So I'll go Aaron Miles. This one's difficult, but I'm taking Darrell Arthur. And Arthur v. Simeon will be an interesting matchup. Yes, it will. And I had a sneaking suspicion you were going to take Darrell Arthur in your first two picks, um, which stunk because that was the biggest debate for me. Do I go Wayne Simeon or Darrell Arthur? Those were the two. And Darrell Arthur, we've talked about this many times over the last week or two. Uh, the stats don't jump off the page, especially compared to Simeon. But he was just on such a loaded team, and he was so darn talented. He could do so many things. He could hit deep twos. He could dribble with the basketball a little bit. He was versatile. He is really, really good, and so uh, I like that one a lot. He hit me. a deep two that was so deep that a half a step back and Chalmers' shot would have won the game, yeah. not just tied it, it would have been that? a three. I mean, that would it already is one of the greatest shots in NCAA tournament history. At that point, it wouldn't even be a debate. It, like, would, it would be, it would be right up there with, with Christian Leitner and um, well, Chris Jenkins. Jenkins again, from Villanova. Jenkins, if he misses it, it's still tied. Yeah. Um, this, I mean, like already it's if he missed it, they lose. But to go from miss it, you lose, to miss it, you win, yeah. as opposed to miss it, you lose, make it, you tie. Force overtime. Is even yeah. crazier. Okay, uh, see, so I have back-to-back picks now. Yep. Hmm. Do I go Devon Dotson? Because I think Devon Dotson deserves to go this high. I'm tempted to take Ben McLemore. It's such a good season. Um, I don't love the... Deidre Glosson put up unbelievable numbers, but I don't love the foot speed I would have at the two big spots with Deidre and Wayne Simeon, so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to actually go Julian Wright. 
See, I was when I was you were worried about losing. Yes, and I was between uh, what I I knew I was taking Darrell Arthur. I didn't know if I should have left Aaron Miles and been okay with Devon Dodson, and then wound up taking Julian Wright and Darrell Arthur. I highly considered that. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, Julian Wright. Um, and I love that front court where Julian Wright as a four, he is athletic and versatile enough that if you have like a wing or a guard at the four, I still feel okay with him guarding out in space. Yeah. Now I, I'm looking at this list and there is one thing that is, I think, missing from a lot of these positions and that is three point shooting. I um, there's, I'm looking at two guys that have it. Yes. I mean, yeah, there's, there's I actually want to right? add Aaron Miles was a hell of a three-point shooter in his senior year. We Nobody were surprised looking at that. His senior year at KU, he was a hell of a three-point shooter. right? Yeah. 50%, something like that. Uh, on on a decent a lot more decent than volume of shots. Yeah, so I will give you that. But, like, uh, you know, Dedrick Lawson, great but, shooter for yeah. that position. But, again, but he I wasn't – yeah, we don't have a lot of um, – you know, snipers, no. Brandon Green types. No, um, I mean Michael Lee could could definitely fill it up shooting wise. J.R. Giddens could shoot. Andrew White could, but those guys are J.R. Giddens made a very big shot in Bill Self's first year at Kansas. Yeah, but those guys are like more role players who I would take with one of our final picks. Like we still have a bunch of really good players on there that I'm not going to take one of those guys. Malik Newman could shoot it, but Keith Langford not really. Devon Dotson not really. Charlie Moore in his year at Kansas not really. So I'm going to go Ben McLemore because I want yeah, to guarantee that I have that three-point shooter on the outside. I like that pick I a lot. I love my athleticism with McLemore and Julian Wright. We are going to have so many fun dunks. I'm going to go Keith Langford, who could also dunk but could also shoot somewhat, mm-hmm. not like Ben McLemore. This is difficult because there's such – after Wayne Simeon, Darrell Arthur, and Julian Wright, there is such a drop-off here. Yeah. And I don't know – I. C.J. Giles was very impressive for a time. You could go Diedrich Lawson. He averaged 19 I, Yeah, I think I will. I'm, I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to go Keith Langford and Diedrich Lawson. Well, the beauty it was, of— It was between C.J. Giles and G- Diedrich Lawson. I think Darrell, I, I would— The thing is, Julian Wright, I think, is a much better passer than either of those guys. So I, if I could have paired Julian with Darrell Arthur, that would have been beautiful because Julian, could, for a big man, could really pass the ball. But I think Darrell moved a lot, and he was at a point where he had good enough chemistry with like Darnell Jackson and Sasha Khan that they could pass to each other. Um, so I, I, I think Darrell Arthur could could feed Diedrich a little bit, and, and they could work off each other. So yeah, give me Keith Langford and Diedrich Lawson. And the fact that you took Darrell Arthur, it works out perfectly because you could have. You know, based on how the draft fell to you, you could have played Darrell Arthur at the five. You could have played him at the four, which I think you do now. They have Diedrich Lawson. He'd be more of the five, um, at least defensively. Yeah. Offensively, you could invert both those guys out. That is the one thing that does scare me about playing your team. You have two big men who can stretch it. I mean, that's a, yeah, that's, a, that's a, a that's a matchup issue. Yeah, but not yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not yeah. I'll take that. Okay, um, I can play a lot of outside ball. I'm I basically just built Villanova really. Well, see, I so I I probably would have taken Devon Dotson on my last set of two picks. If you, but after but, you but took the fact Aaron that he was Miles, known, yeah, I just I I didn't think you were going to take Devon Dotson because I don't think Devon and Aaron Miles is a great pairing of two. No, I, I don't think they're different enough. They no, are exactly. they're different somewhat, but I don't think they're different enough that. Um, and this probably tells you exactly what I'm thinking in terms of drafting point guards or 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 not. I just I think they're similar enough that I I would just feel good with Aaron Miles kind of having that whoever gets the ball out of bounds brings it up the court between Miles and Langford. Yeah. 
And I think you could have something similar with Devon and Ben McLemore. Yeah, so I'm going to go Devon Dotson uh, with that pick. It gives me a slasher. Uh, the, the pick and rolls with Julian Wright are going to be really fun. The pick and rolls with Wayne Simeon are going to be yeah, really fun. Yeah, there's dunks there. Yeah, and then I, I want even more shooting. I'm going to go with Malik Newman as my two guard. Um, so I, I'm going to be a little bit smaller at the three because I'm going to slide Ben McLemore down to the three, and he's more of a two I'm fine with that. I'll be a little smaller, one through three, but I like that I have the shooting at the two and three. I have the athleticism from the four with Julian Wright. I got the big man anchor with Wayne Simeon at the five. Uh, so you have your next two picks, which you need. That'll round me out, right? Yeah, so you need a six man and then another. Yeah, basically a guard or a wing. So I don't care what order they go in, but I'm going with Michael Lee and J.R. Giddens. So Michael Lee gives you your shooter. I, I mean, both of them give both you your shooters, do. right? Yeah. Um, you have a very Roy Williams type team. I know yeah. this is based on their time at Kansas, but you know you have the. the but they're Michael all under Lee, Bill Self for Aaron Miles, right? It's just kind of funny because you think of a lot of those guys. I mean, Jay, for their time. and J.R. Giddens was he only played for Self, but he was drafted or uh, drafted. He was recruited by Roy Williams. So now this is uh, this is a very tough decision. So for six men, here are my options: Charlie Moore. Who, if we're basing the Charlie Moore that finished his career at Miami, that would be a slam dunk pink. That's, yeah, but that's I mean, not the case. That's the thing. I mean, he he had a really tough season at KU, so I'm not going to pick him. Andrew White the third is interesting. Again, never really broke out at KU. He just never really got the playing time. He broke out later at you know Nebraska and Syracuse. He was a good player for them, and having that shooting off the bench is nice. But again, given his time at Kansas, he wasn't like the best player in the world. And I think you've got another guy. I'm going to tell you right now. I think that I feel the same thing about Tristan and Aruna, mm-hmm. who I think is another guy who is he is he going to stick around in college? Yeah, he's I, uh, I think Cleveland he, State. I, I think, think he's okay because he, so he's left Iowa State. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I view him as a guy who could actually be a productive college basketball player. Just he wasn't at Kansas. Yeah, KJ Lawson again didn't really play a ton. He did have some moments throughout the year. Then went to Tulane the next year. So again, I don't really want to go down those right now. I'm between Andrew White. I don't really want the Carlton Bragg thing for other reasons. Um, <laughs> CJ Giles had off the court stuff too, but yeah. man, that dude was talented. He was very good. Dwight Colby is fun to me. I used to love watching, like you're watching warm ups before the game, and this was the year he was sitting out and redshirting. And I used to watch him. He would never like practice his post moves or anything. He loved. I would just see him, like, taking uh, – he would work around the three-point arc, and he would never, like, jump. Like, when they say jump shot, it was it was a set shot. Yeah. He would just – it was like he's shooting free throws. He'd just launch them. He'd probably shoot, like, 60% on those. It's always a reminder that, like, yeah, even big men who you don't think of as shooters when they're not even, like, really trying that hard are still, like, way better shooters than just us normal people. Oh, yeah. Nonetheless, I am going to go C.J. Giles. I like the talent C.J. Giles, I feel like, would have been – um. You know, I, I I think I think it was off the court stuff that led to same with J.R. Giddens. I think it was off the court. So I don't know this, but just my memories of that time and stories that have come up since then, I feel like it was a lot more off the court stuff than on the court stuff. That as to why they didn't ultimately finish their time at Kansas, um, and C.J. Giles was. I mean, he played a big role in that that game that um, that o five o six season when Kansas really needed a. They were they started off kind of struggling, but the first big spark that they showed was just dominating Kentucky. Now that Kentucky team was, I think, ranked twenty first when they came into Allen Fieldhouse, um, but they wound up as like an eight or a nine seed, so they weren't quite as good as the, their ranking set at that point in the season. But still, it was Kentucky. They were ranked, 
and Kansas beat him by like 25 or 26, and I think C.J. Giles had a big role in that game. Giles had his moments for sure. He was a talented player. Yep, but never really got couldn't to tell you where out. he went after Kansas, but I couldn't either. I know Giddens went to New Mexico. New Mexico. I, he was a first-round draft pick. Was um, he really? Yeah, the last one. Wow. I'm almost certain he was the last pick of the first round, whatever year he came out. Um, either, that or he, either that or he was the first pick of the second round, but I'm pretty sure he was the final pick of the first round that year he came out from New Mexico. Um, but then um, Micah Downs went off to Gonzaga, but I, I really couldn't tell you where um, where C.J. Giles wound up. Well, that is our two-year player draft. You have Aaron Miles, Keith Langford, Michael Lee, Darrell Arthur, Dedrick Lawson, J.R. Giddens is a sixth man. I have Devon Dotson, Malik Newman, Ben McElmore, Julian Wright, Wayne Simeon, and C.J. Giles. I'll say this. I think Devon Dodson is going to get, and and maybe I shouldn't give you any help with the vote, but I'm going to say I I would caution fans. I really like my team. And I, I, there's a reason I picked Miles over Dodson, but I don't. I think people are going to view the separation as pretty high, when I don't think the separation should be that high. I like I like Miles over Dodson. That's why I made the pick, but I don't think the separation is that great. And I think had Devon Dodson been able to play, uh, as Brian Haney put it earlier, those last nine games, assuming that if they played all of them, the three Big Twelve tournament games and in the six NCAA tournament games, Dodson would be remembered a lot differently i don't think he's remembered negatively but i think he would be remembered a lot even higher had, had they been able to make a run i agree my early thoughts on this matchup are that i'm very worried about more so my ball handling and passing ability where you have the big edge there with aaron miles I, there were stories about malik newman struggling to dribble in a straight line uh devon dotson not really known for being like a facilitator like marcus garrett led that team in in assists per game so that scares me a little i do think i have the better shooting team than you but you also have the that ability to shoot from your big so that scares me yeah yeah i, I like mm. getting I, I don't even know who i'd play off the matchup. bench i think i'd probably start getting's over lee but i could be maybe maybe self's listening right now and he's laughing about that but i per, i think i'd go getting's over lee but that's just me yeah, I will say the one thing that could hurt you is you don't have elite rim protection and Devon Dotson. Yeah, I know my de- my, my defense is, is Wayne Simeon. Yeah, my defense is not there yeah. as, as much as. But like, I don't think I have like, like an elite it, defense not, either. It, it's not terrible, but it, it's definitely not. It's interesting because our last one we did, game. the last one we did, I ended up with a really good defensive team. You ended yeah, up with a really Cole, good offensive yeah. team, right? This one, I don't view either of these teams like this is elite offense, but. Uh, versus elite defense. It's just I think both these teams are pretty evenly matched. It would be a fun, yeah, I think it would be a fun game. Okay, you can vote on that. I'll put it up here in a second on the Twitter account, at RCST1320. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.